0: This audio file is a production of Chiasmos, the University of Chicago's international and area studies multimedia outreach source. For related audio and video, or for more information about the project, please visit chiasmos.uchicago.edu or internationalstudies.uchicago.edu. I'd like to thank you all for coming here. I'm very glad to be here at the University of Chicago for the third time. and. Um and I'm particularly glad from all the places and I had a chance to visit quite a few mostly very prestigious universities like this one but also uh, institutes um, like the Getty Conservation Institute in Los Angeles and um, also other private visits that I have made during my stay as a Fulbright Scholar at the University of Pennsylvania it's that it's precisely here that I come back um, after a year of time, uh, lab, because uh, Chicago and this particular place are my favorite places in the states. And this is not to flatter you, but I'm trying to be as honest as possible. And uh, why is this so? It's another story. But however, um, uh, I'm particularly glad that uh, this thing has worked out. We've planned this, we've married it for a long time now, right? Married it for year and a half. It took some time, but uh, it worked out, and I'm very very glad. And I I hope that I will be able to come again uh, and uh, continue this uh, you know all the exchange that uh, I have personally uh, with the University of Chicago Um, my context with Chicago does not limit itself to the University of Chicago I gave a lecture at the Art Institute at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago on heritage preservation and this cooperation is also going to proceed and I'm very happy about it Um, so now back to the the photos I need to tell one thing um, which um, was not mentioned that the project initially, initially consisted of um, photos that were taken in Bulgaria as well and since I arrived in the States following the Macedonian failure um, through the Macedonian government exchange Program between the Macedonian and the US government. I, um, um, with the permission of the of the French Cultural centres in the Balkans, I um, separated the two exhibitions and I took the Macedonian part. And this is what you are seeing here today. Um, However, the exhibition in its original form is being presented right now in Bulgaria, in Ruse. Uh, for those who, who don't know, this is one of the important cultural centers in Bulgaria on the Danube, um, um, close to Bucharest. And it's going to be presented in Ternovo, in the uh, center of Bulgaria, next um, winter, we'll cut this coming winter, in a few months. And in the exhibition in which the central part is going to be the Macedonian part, which is presented here, is going to travel in Montevideo next year, early next year, at the National Gallery in Montevideo in Uruguay, and I'm very happy about it. I have to say that I could not possibly imagine that this particular exhibition and project would provoke such an interest outside of Europe, because the show has never been shown in France itself. But um, that makes the, the fun and the joy of it even bigger. And this is something which is very important um, uh, when uh, one is engaged in in project, in particular, in this kind of project, which marries different aspects. Uh, mm, Because for me, as a preservationist, obviously decide because I spend most of my time working on preservation, on preservation on sacred uh, medieval sites. It means I've been working on preservation, mostly as a manager, um, which is quite a difficult thing to do in Macedonia these days, of uh, medieval churches and mosques, and which is this is precisely what you see here in the photos. But my idea was to with this work was to go a little bit out of this context, or as much as possible, and to do a personal project. And, um, and to, because I started apart from this working on photography um, and I've been doing this um, um, in the last 10 years so I thought that the time has come to kind of marry these two different things and uh, try to um, make some kind of synthesis in a way uh, the, I thought of this today while some of you were asking me questions about um, how it, did it happen that the French got in, involved into this project. And actually I think that their motivation was quite different because um, their motivation was to have someone make a repertoire of as much as heritage in the Balkans as possible in the fastest and the cheapest way. And the easiest way to do it was to find someone like me and do it. Uh, because it does give an idea of what the heritage of the Balkan is. Uh, my motivation was obviously not the same. And um, um, speaking about heritage, um, is, in terms of preservation, is that what it makes us interesting, and we, why we want to preserve these sites, uh, is that we want to do that because of their cultural value, the cultural value of uh, of heritage sacred sites or heritage sites cultural heritage in general is because it has very important uh, cultural uh, values, culture, aspects of cultural meanings which are its historical, artistic, uh, religious, social and other kind of values. Um, as a preservationist what I normally do is um, I try to make hierarchy of these values. Uh, because most of the sites, particularly the most important sites, and these are the sites we want to preserve the most, have um, are important not because of one aspect. There are always several aspects or many aspects. So it's very important to make hierarchy of these uh, values as regarding to what the community, or the owner, or the user of the site, uh, what is important for 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 at the moment, a specific moment of time, and um, starting from there. To uh, build up a heritage uh, conservation project. Um, however, apart from this um, heritage um, preservation methodology, if I can, if I may, call it so, uh, this the time and the secret is. Um, I hope out of this context. Well, I wanted it out to be, to be out because it is. I did not um, apply this kind of uh, methodology in when choosing the sites. I just went uh, to the sites and photographed the sites. The one that attracted me, the most deeply and uh, for me the most important aspect was the religious or the spiritual aspect and this is uh, what I wanted to project but of course as I believe these photos touch people in a different way this is up to the individuals to the visitors to see and set up their own hierarchy of aspects why these photos are hopefully if they are interesting because they are show history, meaning, politics, or because they show particularly the spiritual aspect. So coming from, um, starting from um, a general collective, uh, very serious hierarchy of values, uh, such as uh, what we want the heritage, understanding of heritage, cultural heritage to be, I, I tried, I wanted to individualize this aspect through these photos so that these photos cannot be really understood on individual terms and if I have succeeded in this uh, then it's a big success for me because for me they are personal so If someone asks me what is the difference between the documentation and making arts out of heritage, that would be my answer. Because heritage, everybody has its own personal heritage, but when we think of cultural heritage, we think of it as a collective value, reflecting to the community to which this heritage belongs. Whereas, as I said, these photos for me are are personal. well, there are a lot of aspects of the heritage itself, which is interesting, and we can talk about it if you're interested. As far as this uh, intervening aspect of heritage in HR, this is, this is what I had to say. So thank you, and if you have any questions, I would be happy to answer them. Andre, I'm, I'm not a, a, a historical self by any means but I get the sense that uh, some of the churches are now being occupied uh, as Christian institutions. Hmm. I'm, I'm curious about uh, if some of these are from the 16th century, 15th century, what is, what is the life, can you talk about the life of some of the buildings, uh, their transformations from, from one faith to another or between political regimes? Um, so that we get a sense of how they how they survive, and why they've worn, worn down, where they're located. Um, sure. Um, well, you know, it is uh, as in like in most of the religions. Uh, And uh, most of the histories, of of sacred histories in the world, in the history of of (laughs) the sacred histories, there is a continuity of the space, uh, of the place where uh, sacred sites have existed. And they have existed on the same site and then they've been destroyed repeatedly and reconstructed one on top of each other, with some exceptions. One big exception from what I know is this country here, because this is not what happened. Uh, in the United States of America the way in uh, related to the Native um, uh, Americans who were living here. But p- apart from that, uh, especially in the Euro-Asian space, uh, there is a very, st- from what I know of, there is a very strong tradition and Macedonia really represents this case. Um, you can see here, um, but not in a simple way, let's just say the Ottomans arrived and they reconverted re- the churches into mosques. Uh, it is mo- far more complex than that. It is, uh, for example, there is a photo here showing a mosque. It's right in the center, not in a very hidden place, in the most uh, visited si- city in Macedonia, which is Ohrid, uh, the city which is like claimed to be the city of UNESCO, the only tourist place in the country. And right in the heart of the city, there is this mosque, and there is a cross on the minaret. That is because And the, the Ottomans existed, um, um, allowed the, the Christian community which was very uh, strong in Ocrid as it is today to um, to build to have this cross on the top of the minary. and so it's been as uh, a, a very uh, it's a wonderful example of coexistence um, and of um, well it's not even coexistence as of a parallel existence of different things at once place. The aspect of place is very important, both in sacred histories in religious terms and both in terms of heritage preservation, obviously. Um, because we want to preserve, we, say, we call it the sense of the place. But what is the sense of the place? If not its spirituality, it projects, concentrated in one particular space in a long period of time. Um, obviously, there is other example which shows recent destructions of sites and um, like fortunately these destructions have been sacred sites have been very limited in Macedonia Yes please. Are all of these sites active
1: sacred
0: sites now? Yes, yes uh, by any means I, 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 well, I, I didn't want to go to, the, to sites who were not active religiously because, uh, as I said, my main um, um, motivation of a trail to go and visit the sites. And this particular project was the spiritual aspect. So, In a site, a religious site which is not alive spiritually, spirali- spir- the spirituality is abandoned. At least that is what we understand in, in Eastern Christianity and in Islam, the way I see it can be restored, but while the site is abandoned, the spirituality is abandoned as well. Because this representative this needs need a house of God, as we are here in this chapel, to um, so that the communication between man and God can be uh, established and um, preserved. Yes? Uh, as you mentioned, uh, this artistic project coincided with your work in preservation. And I was wondering, uh, what do you see as being the key threats to these uh, places of worship from a preservation uh, viewpoint? Um, yeah, well, there is uh, there are quite a few, but there is one very, um, uh, as I see, very um, distinctive as uh, the recent bed conservation during, then in, uh, f- from. Um, Yugoslavian times and so communist time, but due to modernistic principles, uh, uh, this, is, this relates only to the churches. Uh, the churches, medieval churches, have been treated like modern apartment buildings, and the, the um, original medieval roofs have been systematically replaced by reinforced concrete roofs. And um, these reinforced concrete roofs have made considerable damage on the frescoes. It's very hard to take them off, as you can imagine, and nothing has been done to reverse this process. Hopefully, there, nobody is doing this anymore, from what I know, so this is already something. And we are working to, um, to get some aid in expertise, uh, in technical expertise, as to find out what is there to be done. And uh, it's not simple. Uh, I will have an article published on this in the Journal of Architecture Conservation in London in November now. So. Try to attract some specialists. Is this just a sample of, of sites around, or are there a lot of sites that have been abandoned over the years, between have World War II and changes in Stuff like that. There, are a lot, there are a lot of other sites around there that are not being used as sacred sites now that are similar, or are the what there is? No, there are much more. Unfortunately, there has never been. I've made some investigation. Uh, it's not that easy, although the country is so small as one could imagine. But uh, my conclusion is that there has never ever been a catalog, inventory of the medieval churches, for example. There is one of medieval mosques which I think is quite well done. And there is a book published by the Islamic community of Macedonia, which repatriates also the, the mosques do no longer they exist. But nothing like that for churches. Why is this so? Because a church is considered as something very valuable in the communist system of Yugoslavia. At least in Macedonia, they were redistributed evenly between different regions, following the communist idea that everybody has to have an even part of something. Um, and uh, it might sound cynical, but I'm, I think it's important once you ask the question to explain what was going on, and which means there is no central register. As in the process of transition, and the country is having extremely hard time in this process, these registers are simply not, able, not available to be consulted. So if you want to find out what's been going on, you have to have make a project now to go into these six seven places, some of them very kind of like in very difficult situation now economical social and whatever, although the institutions still exist and try to find out what has been done. So my conclusion is that there is no such a thing. So we do not know at the first place how many of the sites how many medieval churches and monasteries exist in the country. And uh, but I would say uh, then most of these uh, sites are still now active in independent Macedonia, for sure, but uh, we do not know the number because we do not know the first number. So um, well, I don't know what is there to do first, there's so much to do, so apart from making photos and <laughs> making art, uh, the church itself, which is the owner of the sites. It's been very busy in re-establishing monastic lives in the abandoned monasteries. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But because it has been recognized by many, particularly by more powerful churches of the neighboring countries, churches, it is a problem that is known as the country has. So I don't think really the church is to blame that cannot undertake such kind of efforts, especially when With this kind of problems, when the church is absolutely not to blame, is the communist state, um, which is no longer there. So it is a a very complex issue. Yes? Does there exist any legislation to to encourage independent organizations to take care of these places? No. At the country, um, the former government, we've just for the first time in sixteen years, uh, well, we don't. I didn't want to speak about politics, but I uh, want you ask the question. <laughs> we have, uh, the way I see it, for the first time, a, a government which is not communist. Before, it was all the time. At some and the last government, just before the election, some people wrote a charter which encouraged centralization. Although the heritage no longer belongs to the state, and this is what is still valid now, so actually, we have in inst- form of documents now that institutionalize the centralization of state. It's very crazy, and um, that is the valid law. And the government, the government now is kind of like very young, yuppie people, they're very much into economics and this is not their priority, obviously. Uh, but um, that is not really a problem. The problem is the situation on the sides. Because once you want to do it, it's more or less uh, possible to find ways how to do it, because there's no longer property of the state. <laughs> I don't think so, well, at least luckily not, but they're not encouraging anything and they're particularly not encouraging neither a non-government organization to work on heritage and neither, um, which is worse, in this case uh, at least like Macedonia, neither a private um, organizations from the country or outside to invest and sponsor these works at all. There is laws for sports and I don't know what else but not for heritage conservation in the law for heritage conservation so hopefully this is going to change, but that's how it is now. So this is this is why my motives also to do this kind of work because it's the easiest way to come, for me to come to Chicago and speak to you about this because otherwise it's such a long thing, you know, because you have to do a project that needs to be successful and, and not necessarily, people that work in heritage preservation, um, mm, well, I don't know. My experience is, it is very often that they don't, um, um, they for example, they sponsor some kind of work and they want to present very often their work or part of the work as it was their own work although someone else did it and they only funded the project. These are very complex issues and very delicate ones. It becomes more and more complicated as heritage conservation becomes uh, more and more in the center of public interest all around the world and becomes more and more politicized. Yes? What extent is the damage that your photographs document due to deliberate actions on the part of, for example, state actors or individuals? State actors have done no action of deliberate destruction that I know of. At all. Not a single one. There has been deliberate action of destruction. There's one photo showing it during the conflict 2001, yes. But the damage was limited. There has been. This is a site which has not been documented at all, but not before. So not. So we don't know really how much of the original fabric was there. There's one very important church, uh, which was quite uh, damaged. But this is, it's not presented here. That church, because it's not accessible still now. So most of the damage that we see in these photos is that of wind and rain and perhaps poor maintenance. That no, most of the damage that you see is due to bad conservation, oh. but not intentional bad oh, conservation. Yeah, intentional. <laughs> yeah, what? Conservation. Like this here. Oh, this is not due to rain or maintenance. This is due to this hose. is you see, far away, but you can yeah, see it. Yeah, this yeah. is due to bad conservation because they've introduced cement layers. Well, I don't want to into the technicality of this it's quite complex, but yeah, so this is nothing to do with maintenance or abandon. This is due to bad conservation. When? When? Um, you know, this is not something, well, I would be a little bit, this is not something which was done only in Yugoslavia. In the 50s, in the 60s, these kind of things with rainforest concrete were done all around the world, a lot of them in the US. I've seen, um, um, here in America, I've seen a, a wonderful 16th um, century church um, restored and now in Puerto Rico. And not only once, number of times, in San Juan, number of times, uh, groups of uh, so called conservationists or architects or whatever were introducing layers and layers of concrete in this church. They have totally destroyed the church. So this is not something which is, was only in. This was very strong in the fifties and the sixties. The problem with Yugoslavia was, whereas the the world moved forward, it stayed stuck in this modernity because the sister married modernity and it's embraced it totally and didn't couldn't go any further because further meant back and destruction. That would happen. Well, that's my interpretation, but. Uh, It looked like the faces of the icons were carved out, and you see this through northern Greece, for example, in the mm-hmm. front class, uh, People carved the faces of the icons. Out. Is that an example of deliberate destruction? Which one do you think specifically? You have to show me because this is very tricky. Um, I don't see things like this here. Here? Maybe it's... The the faces are... You see that they're kind of... All of them, all of the low ones, not the high ones, just Mm -hmm. the low ones that are reachable, Mm -hmm. the the center of the face is totally wiped. There is another explanation for this. Unfortunately, not enough research has been done, which says that um, uh, in the tradition, uh, when you touch the face of the saint, it is that you can communicate with him. So, uh, particularly touching the saint makes <laughs> but, um, mm. what, One thing about that, though, is that throughout northern Greece you see these churches, and, mm-hmm. you know, and the people know that's when it happened. I mean, yeah, sure, sure, that, it did happen. There's another thing. But this, I think this thing, like, uh, there's a particular thing also with the eyes, where the eyes have been how you say this in English chucked out. Yeah, uh way of the But I mean it's also the Christian electronic class and I can't remember mm-hmm. what centuries they were. Is that you remember? It these arguments would have been after 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 yeah. it's after it's after that. After after that Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, i I think that both of the explanations are um are valid, but um um I don't know to which extent The people can remember exactly, because it must have been a long, long time ago. People Uh, forget in that part of the world? No, 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 no. (laughs) Historically, no, I mean, I'm just intrigued. No, they don't forget. But, you know, because the Ottomans were there for five centuries. It's a very long period of time. Unless this destruction was done in the latest, that then makes it logical, in the last period of the reign. I would almost think in the earliest... No. That's definitely not, because when the Ottomans came, there was the moment when they were the most tolerant. This is based on historical facts, but uh, it is particularly in the latest period of time when there were the destructions and you know burned burned villages and whole cities burned down and a lot of people uh, killed and in Greece and also in northern Macedonia and Albania and things like that. And this, I imagine, it one could imagine, this is much easier to understand that people would remember that, but this because this would happen like early 19th century or throughout the 19th century, whereas uh, would not. to the period where these churches were painted. That's really Because this is really medieval that we are speaking here. I I, I would tend to, to say that for so me it's hard to imagine that these things happened in medieval times. Let's put it that way. Yes, yes. So in medieval times I would imagine more, I think like that with the cross on the minaret. This is very hard to, to imagine that uh, Particularly, half of the churches I know, that someone would be allowing to have a cross on the minaret and doing things like that. Um, Myself, I think. As again, the the, the image. um, um, Yes, yes, but it's also very uh, difficult to imagine uh, to have uh, the most powerful Christian symbol on on the top of the minaret. You would agree with that, wouldn't you? So um, that would be my answer. But, but again, unfortunately this has not been an issue of research. Uh, not at all, which is very su- can be very surprising, but the problem is due to the fact that Macedonia did not have the chance to create its national state, unlike the other Balkan countries. Uh, there was not a particular period of time uh, long enough so that the community could appropriate these churches as their own which happened in Bulgaria and Serbia respectively for example and that is a reason that is happening, that this is happening right now so this might sound, seem very hmm, strange even to some extent because um, the people were still Christian Orthodox um, as they were at that time but there were different people the by the Byzantine, there were Serbian kings, Bulgarian kings, but this was all around the place. But the, um, the question of ownership has a different, an origin has a different meaning in Macedonia than it has in any other country, I would say, or any other space in the Balkans, and the whole of the Orthodox world, for sure. Yeah. Well, do we have any more questions? Well, um, anything else? I think um, we can all thank Munchie Belkoff for giving us a Thank you.